And yes, we did watch Asteroid City and Across the Spider-Verse. You're all caught up. I know you were very concerned. Yes, so concerned about our our life. So next would be Twilight. Oh, yeah, yeah, Twilight. I forgot. Oh, that's why. That's why you're talking about because we talked about this <laughs> it was in the last just a few days ago. <laughs> it comes out my mouth and then I it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> I have the memory I don't know what has a really short term memory <laughs> <laughs> trying to think of a creature to compare myself to is is it a goldfish it's famously a goldfish i f- sure i have the memory of a goldfish uh-huh uh-huh i remember being kind of salty and cheese flavored like a goldfish cracker like, yes <laughs> You need a nap. Go take a nap. You're not ready. You took a nap. And I'm ready. It I works. take a nap. Oh, the dog is hiding under your legs so the fireworks. Smokey, come here. It's okay. We got you. We protect you. That's right. We're Riverdale Recap Podcast here to talk about Chapter 130, The Crucible, written by Janine Selena Schoenberg and Will Ewing, directed for the third time by Madchen Amick. She had to direct this three times before it aired? <laughs> My God, how bad is she at her job? Who fucked up in editing? That was a pretty quick nap you took, darling. You're on the ball again. <laughs> is this like one of those those things where someone accidentally deleted it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's living out there with uh, with the original food fight. Sure, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I would say of Magnamics three episodes, third place. Yeah, and I don't know if it's her fault. It's because the first two she did were really. I mean, it's close third with like uh, killing Mister Honey. Uh huh. I'd say it's pretty even with that, and that's an episode I enjoyed. Yeah. But her middle episode did feature the Rat King. Rat King! The Night Gallery, Chapter 90, and that was fucking great. We got no Rat King in this. <laughs> just, it's just not up to the same level. We start this episode visiting our good buddy Jughead mm-hmm. and his typewriter. Asking, how does a fire start? And it's sometimes with a teacher who encourages a student to write poems. How dare she? Or a chance encounter on an elevator. How dare he? (laughs) None of these things seem dangerous at all. I guess which is the point, you know. You don't recognize the spark until it's lit. Well, and so you you get, like, you know, her encouraging Archie, and then you see Veronica seeing a strange man in a trench coat on an elevator. Oh, it is strange because you never see anyone else at the Pembroke. Yeah. So like that's her that elevator is part of her house. This is strange. It's a little weird. It's a little weird. Or missing typewriters and phones. Uh Betty's been robbed. Yeah. Very concerning. This one does seem like it, it could be the start of something. It's probably more like Alice uh gave them to Ethel. Yeah, just some sort of super grounding. Uh but but yeah, of, of these inciting incidents, it's the one that seems the most severe. Yes. And has the least amount of time on it. Betty's uh, uh, C-plot in this episode is what, like four minutes total? Yeah. Max? It's not much. Yeah. Um, but then we are also tor- 
it could happen in a classroom and we see Betty and Kevin mm-hmm. finishing uh, a scene from Tennessee Williams cat on a hot tin roof and they, uh, they are like posed in a tableau which is mm-hmm. fun I guess mm-hmm. Thornton is like oh my gosh that was so good that's like the best I've ever seen and I've like seen this play on Broadway mm-hmm, mm-hmm. oh my goodness she's so encouraging so encouraging this does make me wonder like how much do you really believe in Archie's, uh... <laughs> she is just a very nurturing person. Very nurturing. Archie's poems are trash, <laughs> but she's going to encourage that boy. Mm-hmm. At least someone's trying in this class. Uh, but then they are interrupted by Featherhead mm-hmm. and Sheriff Keller and Mr. Blossom running in and, and telling her this is no longer her classroom and we need to see her in the hallway. Mm-hmm. Ah. Uh, people are concerned and, and, like, wondering what's up, and so Mayor Blossom himself has to assure the class, quote, Alas, this is not a gag. And tells them that she has been relieved of duty, and until they can find a replacement, they will be taught by his wife. Yes. In walks Penelope. Yes! The new English teacher, Penelope Blossom. Her qualifications are... Uh... This is so weird to me because this is like, ah, yes, Penelope. She's like, knows everything, so can do this. But I'm like, I'm pretty sure she'd be like, fuck this. I'm not going to teach a bunch of, like, snot-nosed children. But she is a weird little tyrant. She loves to have the ability to to tell kids where they can shove it. She loves it. This is true, but this seems like this would be above her. Yeah. Or below her. She's One above or the this. other, yeah. So Archie's like, hey, Mr. Featherhead, what's the dealio with Miss Thornton? And uh, Mrs. Thornton is apparently a clear and present danger to the American way. She's a communist! The Red Menace has come to Riverdale. Every, like, hot-button phrase they can squeeze in here, they do. Like, he literally, he literally says, if you see something, say something. I'm just like, the Red Menace is what Cheryl would call herself. <laughs> she probably has at one point. I'm, I'm surprised that the mayor doesn't come out and say, you're either with us or against us. Like, just hit all of the the big scary quotes. Next episode. Next episode, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so in the student lounge, they're all talking about what happened. And Betty's like, well, Archie, you spent a lot of time with her. Did you notice she was a communist? <laughs> And he's like, no? You know how they are. And uh, Cheryl's like, well, even my father can't get someone fired without evidence. And Veronica's like, mm, doubt that. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be so sure. If anyone can, it's your father. And so Veronica Lodge has to explain to these children, these teens of all teens in the world, who Joseph McCarthy is and about the and hearings. History. And, like, it's 1955. This has been on primetime news for years. These kids? And they're like, oh, yeah, I remember hearing something about that. What the fuck? Like, (sighs) moments like these make this feel way, way too much like a very special episode. Like, this is the after-school special side of Riverdale. Let us tell you how guns are bad. And and, and at, stay away from drugs. At least children. in the first episode, in the Emmett Till episode, that was breaking news. That was happening right then, that day in history. They have literally been hearing about this for, for years. For years! 
But I mean, they are teens. How much do they pay attention <laughs> to things, I guess? These are teens that can't stop quoting Cormac McCarthy. This is true. He's not even writing yet. It's 1955. And meanwhile, <laughs> Kevin's like, well, come on, guys. This is America. If you're innocent, you have nothing to worry about. Kevin has never been a cop's son more than this moment. Even when he was himself a cop last season. Kevin. <laughs> I know you a white boy. Yeah. But you gay. <laughs> and your father really hates it. There really How? should. There really should have been a very, very pointed look from his boyfriend Clay in that moment. Like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> You've been coming to our black literature club. You ain't learned nothing. <laughs> what? <laughs> It's a very special Riverdale this week. It's something. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. uh, Jughead and Ethel have nothing to do with this whole group of people. <laughs> they don't talk. They they're don't, not friends. They're not friends. They are not friends. <laughs> so they're like, oh my gosh, can't believe it. Our comic's getting published today. Mm-hmm. And they're rushing off to like... First in line at the newsstand to get their own copy. And they want, they want, you know, two copies of the newest one. And they're all like, yeah, and, you know, like, we wrote it. We're involved with it. It's very exciting. Mm-hmm. And, Pit uh, of the Perverse number 32. It comes up a lot. The guy's like, uh, we sent that all back. I don't sell crummy smut like that. It's disgusting and un-American. <laughs> you may recognize this man from so many Christmas TV movies. That's Vancouver. That's Vancouver, baby. <laughs> I love I love looking up like roles credited as like newsstand vendor, you know. Yeah. And you just see Hallmark movie after Hallmark movie. Yes. Same for Mrs. Thornton. They're either Christmas movies or horse movies. Mmm, Christmas horse. Ooh, the Christmas horse. The Christmas. The secret of the Christmas horse. The secret of the Christmas horse three: the revenge. <laughs> Prancing in, breaking down a door with a Santa hat on and a knife in its mouth. The secret of the Christmas horse back in the hood. Ninja stars, like, molded onto his, like, horse shoes. Just like... The Christmas horse X. Fuck yeah. (laughs) I want killer Christmas horse movies. The Christmas horse takes Manhattan. I'm trying to come up with more. I don't know that many Christmas movie names. Well, it's... uh, Home for the holidays. Eventually, eventually the Christmas horse has a a time travel uh, uh, episode, and he meets J.J. the horse-faced horse. Of course! Of course, of Of course! course, Of course! Stranded for the holidays on the Christmas horse. Mm. He broke a leg. (laughs) Oh, no! (laughs) He can't get home for Christmas! We had to shoot the Christmas horse! (laughs) That's the secret all along. So, uh, back at Thornhill... Cheryl has a very icy meeting with her parents. Yes. Uh, And they're like, hey, allegations have been made about you, about a kiss on Halloween. And she's like, no. I don't know anything about that. What are you talking about? And they're like, doesn't matter what we're talking about. Uh, Your father has influence. He can make this all go away. But in exchange, we're going to need you to help our investigation into the students of Riverdale. So she's like, well, well, I'm not going to name names. But they already have the names. They just need someone to corroborate the names. They, they need a witness deep in the subculture. 
She's like, well, I'm not going to do that. And like, what are you, what are you going to do? Send me away? That sounds great. Where do I sign up? <laughs> and they're like, uh-uh, we're going to throw, or we're going to take away the one thing you care about. And that's the vixens. And she's like, oh my God, no. 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 She starts to break down right then and there at the, the thought of not being a head cheerleader. And I'm like, girl, don't seem like you even care that much compared to like season one. And with basketball coming to an end, that's the end of cheerleading. Because you guys don't have a football team. It's And it's too late. Football already happened. Yeah, it did. I knew that. You should have. One of your best <laughs> friends, the husband of your very best friends, coaches high school football. When does he stop doing that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is never. Coaching is a year-long thing, but they stop playing games in, like, October. Well, that's why I get confused, because he's talking about coaching all the time. I don't know that they're not playing. <laughs> they are not playing. They are starting practice, there, though. There is still stuff going on, so it's still going on. <laughs> So, I like to hear about his life, but I don't question the timeline. <laughs> so Penelope presents her daughter with this list of names. And the top four are, of course, Cheryl, Tony, Kevin, and Clay. Then we get into the fun ones, like Chris Henderson, who is lead carpenter for 26 episodes of Riverdale. He totally cut that wood wrong. I think they're accusing him of being a gay teenager. Yeah, he cut that wood wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, John McLean, I don't know who this is. Uh, Jessica Latola, who is a makeup artist, but, uh, does not have Riverdale on her IMDb page. Oh. Connor Riley, assistant location manager on five episodes of Riverdale. Ah. Colin Hillis, a lighting technician whose IMDb, whose IMDb page does not mention Riverdale. But that's probably an oversight. I would say the same for Jessica Latola. And the last name on the list, Kathleen Ross, is a set decorator of one title or another for 105 episodes of Riverdale. Oh my god. She's a lifer. She's been around. (laughs) I mean, the set always looks great, so great job. I mean, of all of these people, probably the most uh, uh, complimented person on this program who we never knew the name of before. You do awesome. You do a great job. Love it. (laughs) I'm glad you're getting your Easter egg shout out here. You know, they're, they're like, well, you have to make a choice. And mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. she walks out. That That's the deal. You either out the queers or no cheerleading for you ever. The end. Yeah. Yeah. So over at the Pembroke, mm-hmm. Veronica comes home, but she is not alone. No, no, no. Daddy home. Hiram has come to visit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and he's, you know... Put a bunch of crap out there about how their (laughs) estrangement has been weighing on him. And, you know, he wanted to come see her. And he wanted to do this in person, which is give her a Fabergé egg. Excuse me, Glamourgé egg. He knows the the price of admission into his daughter's life. I'm sorry, I actually forgot that Fabergé is what they're really called. Because I was thinking, like, (laughs) Fab! (laughs) Fabergé! Like, seriously, I totally forgot that Glamourche is the fake name of Fabergé's not. Because <laughs> they're fab! Because Fabergé is the name of the, like, imperial jeweler to the czar. I know, and I forgot taking my notes until this moment. Okay. Okay? Okay. okay. It comes up a lot in Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. 
Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. Jim Williams is a Fabergé collector. Oh, why? Because he is an antique stealer and he enjoys the finer things in life. Okay, okay. Like killing people in his parlor. Um, but anyways, Veronica's like, that's a bunch of horse shit. Um, <laughs> what'd you do to piss off mom? And he's like, no, okay, some stuff. Uh, and she reluctantly hugs him and is very unhappy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so over at the student lounge... It's time for show and tell. Veronica brought a dad. <laughs> I have brought my father to meet all of you. My celebrity father, who uh, we, we are all reminded. And Kevin's like, holy mackerel, you're even more dashing in person. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Betty's like, we're such a big fan of your show. And Cheryl's like, well, the first season, it kind of went downhill after that. Fuck off. If you're going to do this cute little meta joke, have some fucking pride in your work. <laughs> this sucks and I hate it. And there's there's a callback to this mm-hmm. that makes it clear that they're they're joking about themselves in a way that just really drives home how much this fucking sucks. I'm out here carrying the banner and you're going to let me down? You're the actual goddamn TV show. <laughs> Fuck you. I mean, maybe Cheryl really just doesn't like their show. <laughs> Say. Cheryl would love the, the second through fourth seasons because she's in them a lot more than the first season. Um, I was talking about my Miha. Okay. Okay. Oh, Miha. Oh, Miha. I was talking about that. I wasn't talking about this. Okay. Mr. Grump Grump. I'm a Grump Grump. I think you need another nap. I need another nap. Hiram's all like, oh, yes. Um, reason I'm here, actually, because apparently he has 12 reasons. <laughs> Uh, was he was invited to be a guest lecturer since they're since they're working on some dramatic scenes, and I'm like, what Why? the fuck? Who? Who? The when? Sc- the school what? administration would not like him. No, I get maybe he, the, he's too tan. Maybe the principal would be won over by like the draw of celebrity. I can maybe see Featherhead being. Down like that? The Blossoms don't like him. But the Blossoms do not like him, and Dr. Werther's would not like him one bit. So I don't understand this. And I, I was like, okay, was he invited originally by Miss Thornton? They wouldn't allow him to still come. Maybe Penelope wants some eye candy in her class. This might be the most believable uh, route. Uh, so, uh... <laughs> but also Julian's there. <laughs> yeah, Julian's fine. He's not dying <laughs> He's... anymore. <laughs> FYI. I'm pretty sure the scene where he, like, raises his hand that he's the next person to, like, present a monologue in class is the first time the camera has been on Julian in this entire scene. It is. It is. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's just a surprise reveal. The asshole no one likes is also here. Well, and so we go to the classroom because he's up next for his dramatic dramatic monologue and Mm -hmm. he's doing a monologue from Hamlet. He's the monologue from Hamlet. Yes. Whether tis nobler, etc. And Hiram's like, do you even know what you're saying? Because <laughs> he's doing it like a high school kid who just memorized the lines. Yes. He's flat. He's fine. He's like, well, I'm not from Denmark, if that's what you mean. And everybody giggles. And I just love, I love the way Hiram's like, no, it's not. That's not what I was talking about. That's not what I'm asking you. <laughs> you motherfucker, I'm going to kill you. I have to stop you right there. Tell me, Julian, was it? Julian, do you even know what you're saying in this monologue? Well, I didn't grow up in Denmark, if that's what you're asking. It's not. I don't care where you grew up. Are you a man? I do not acknowledge that as a joke, all right? Here we go. He was going to commit suicide. Do you want to commit suicide? You should. (laughs) 
first. He doesn't say that. He but said, it is implied when he yeah. He says the first phrase, which elicits this murmur through the crowd, yeah. and like, kids, y'all should know that, right? Like, maybe Mrs. Thornton was a bad teacher for other reasons, if y'all don't know that, right? That was, like, blacked out. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, all their texts are, like, What do you think edited. not to be means, children? You're not gonna go to the store for milk? In that sleep of death, what <laughs> dreams may come. You need the milk to be sleepy. <laughs> of death? Sleep of death? Extra sleepy. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so, meanwhile, uh, Betty goes to the principal's office, and mm-hmm. she's like, so, Miss Thornton was fac- faculty advisor for the Blue and Gold. She gone. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm shutting you down, so it doesn't fucking matter. You suddenly have no budget. And she's like, well, what happened to that money? No answer. Does not even, <laughs> he just goes, goes on to the next topic. She's like, but we're a high school. We need a paper so students can be informed. And he's like, you know, one day you might have something important to say, but it's not now. But Shut the fuck up. But it's a compliment because that starts with, unlike most teenagers, you may one day have something to say. But not now. But, not, but not today now. is not that not day. Not now. You don't get to say anything. We're shutting it down. So she storms into the, the newspaper room and steals a typewriter. Because she had her typewriter stolen. Because fuck the people. (laughs) So Cheryl goes to the music room to appear before the Council of Gays. Yes. And she's like, you're all on the list. And they want me to confirm it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Along with the set decorator and the the, uh, makeup artist who may or may not work here. And the carpenter. And she's telling them how, you know, she's going to have the vixens taken away from her. And Tony's like, it's it's okay, guys. Like, Cheryl's never going to confess. And she's like, yeah, I'm not gonna. You're totally right. Uh, 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 this hadn't actually crossed my mind, but yes, and I so will not. And so they help her think through who's really, like, so Tony straight up just asks, well, who would benefit if you didn't have the Vixens anymore? And Cheryl's like, oh, yeah, the other person in this plot. I remember now. Aha, I know. I know who's at under this. So she uh, goes straight up to Evelyn Mm -hmm. and tells her to stop right there, you fake Judas. She's kind of a real Judas. Kind of a real one. Wouldn't a fake Judas be someone who's pretending to betray you, but not? She's fake and also a Judas. Yes. Yes. Maybe that's what we're going for. Okay. I love everyone's costumes when we're outdoors. Yeah. This is apparently a very chilly November that we find ourselves in, because everyone's in in really nice heavy layers that just look cool. It is just, I mean, we did figure out the timeline is like not moving very fast, but it just feels like it's been winter for months. Well, this is, what, two or three days after the day after uh, uh, Halloween? Like, we're still in the first week of November. We are. Yeah. Though let's remember that the the water froze, like, <laughs> a month and a half ago. Yes, yes. Uh, Cheryl's like, well, you know, how long have you hated me? And she's like, always. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, well, y- y- you weren't. At the Halloween party, how would you know if I kissed anyone? Not that I did, but, like, how would you know? And she's like, well, I heard about it, which is exactly what I said was going to happen. Like, what do you think? Everyone going to talk. Also, I was in Pops, like, eight feet away when you were talking about being a lesbian. And, like, smooching and holding hands. (laughs) 
I also know about the teen pregnancy, but I, I don't need anything out of her, so whatever. Yeah. Archie is visiting Principal Featherhead, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he's like, Sue, Mr. Andrews, uh, saw that Miss Thornton was interested in you. Uh, was she trying to indoctrinate you? Dr. Werther's is so very suspicious of an English teacher giving a student books to read. I don't think he's a qualified educator. What I love is when they're like, when she was trying to indoctrinate you, Archie's like, huh? <laughs> dictionary i don't know what that means <laughs> yeah my, my english teacher was too busy trying to make me a communist to make me understand three syllable words <laughs> uh, it's four indoctrinate is four excuse me shut up and he's like well she just gave me some books on poetry and uh yeah what werther's is like that's how it starts mm-hmm. books information that's what's uh, happening in Cuba right now. That, that's how children start to question things. Their country. It's a slippery slope. Mm-hmm. Ah! Ah! At least someone's watching the news. Like, Dr. Werther's is aware the Cuban revolution is happening right now. Yes. Not only is it take your dad to school day, mm-hmm. it's take your dad to work day. Dad likes the movies. He's a Hollywood man. <laughs> He's, uh, he's going to, like, watch whatever's on and be like, I met that guy. I met that guy. I smooched her. I met. I know that guy. So, yeah, uh, Veronica's brought him to the theater. Uh, and she's like, well, you go watch the movie because I got to work. Uh, but we can grab <laughs> dinner afterwards. She's, she's letting the, the movie screen babysit her dad while she's at work. Yes. At the movie. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So he goes in, and this the trench coat guy from the elevator mm-hmm. comes up to her. The home invader. And he's like, hey, how well do you know that man? She's like, it's my dad. Like, what the fuck? Which he should know. Right? Because he's an FBI agent investigating Hiram. Well, and later, <laughs> later we find out his job is actually to track her. Yes. Not him, because someone else is doing that. Well, I guess that wasn't his assignment until he figured out who she was. I guess, but this seems very dumb. She is very, like, in the public eye. Like, everyone knows he has this daughter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why is the FBI stupid? This daughter that got sent away from Hollywood because of her possible involvement in the death of James Dean? This is true. <laughs> Maybe they should investigate that. Lest we forget, Veronica Lodge is the last person to see James Dean alive. Uh, so Jughead and Ethel go to Mr. Fieldstone, and he he fills them in on what's been going on with the comics. Basically, so. they're feeling a big squeeze. Everyone is, is just returning their packets from newsstands, unopened, unsold. Yes, it's all being seen as immoral, and they don't want to be associated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, we're getting more hate mail. There's parents groups organizing boycotts to not buy anything from a stand that sells pep. Yeah, it's just it's just a whole thing. You know, I gotta gotta call the other publishers, see how they're holding up. I'm assuming ones that publish stuff like you do? Like I bet they're doing bad. I yeah. Bet they're doing real bad. There is this one company that uh has really went all in on their one like just teenage hijinks. Like oh, uh oh. there's a lot of like physical comedy in Pratt Falls and there's a love triangle. Oh and there's a weird kid who just eats a lot. Oh. Never opens his eyes, really long nose. Are they doing okay? They're doing great they right now. I don't think they're coming. They're doing so good right now. <laughs> 
Uh, so as he's leaving, Ethel's like, hey, you know, can I grab a couple uh, issues, you know, just to have it for my own collection? And he's like, yeah, go help yourself from the giant piles of returned purchases. Yeah, yeah, they, they get loaded up with comps because it's not like he was going to sell them anyway. And then they get an idea. Ah. And they take giant stacks of them. <laughs> uh, They're going to line so many bird cages. It's great. So uh, Betty is busy typing away on her uh, stolen typewriter. Yes, to replace her stolen typewriter. And uh, we get a voiceover of what she's writing about how it doesn't matter what her name is, that she could be any of you. Mm -hmm. Um, That, you know, what matters is her status as a teenager. Basically how this will be the voice of the teens and teens can write in uh, and ask questions that no one else will answer. It's the introduction. It is the announcement of what is basically an anonymous teen newsletter. Yes, called the Teenage Mystique. And she, the editor, signs off as the girl next door. This is like a direct challenge to exactly what Feather had said. Every teenager has something to say. It's just whether they say it or not. And they have feelings and things that matter today. Yeah. Yeah. And so we see her putting a copy in, in everyone's like mat in locker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fight Co- the power. Collecting everyone's hormonal frustrations for publication. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Archie is in his garage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Frank comes in and he falls over and totally acts like he's not doing anything at all. <laughs> I, was, I was just jerking off, Uncle Frank. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I wasn't writing I was poetry. poetry. I, was I was definitely... Ju- I was look- just cranking it. I swear. <laughs> I was definitely looking at some boobs. Was- it's fine. And they were ladies' boobs, too. Don't you worry. <laughs> they were man boobs, I promise. Uh, and Frank's like, um, what were you doing? I told you. Told you. I was jerking off. It was fine. It was fine. I, I wasn't like writing or anything. Um, and Frank sort of lets himself in and they pass the, the carburetor around in a weird moment. He's like, well, you know, your principal called. And Archie's like, well, she didn't try to indoctrinate me. And he's like, I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned about what people might think if you stick with all this poetry business. No. Writing a few rhyming couplets to get into some lady shorts is one thing, but you don't want people getting the wrong idea that you might have, like, feelings to express or a perspective on the world. Mmm, I don't know about this. Now rub this grease off real hard here. <laughs> totally natural. He calls it malarkey. He says, you're not serious about all this poetry malarkey, are you? Poetry malarkey. <laughs> Uh, so Hiram and Veronica got takeout pops. That they are eating on their fine china. Yeah. They're aliens, I swear. She's like, so, why is the FBI investigating you? He's like, oh, well, they think I might be a communist. You see, when I took that trip to Cuba on vacation, they think I was there to funnel money and intel to dissidents and revolutionaries. She's like, well, what were you doing? He's like, I was buying cigars, duh. That's why you just take a random trip to Cuba. I mean, it is. Yeah. I mean, that and and gambling and the nightclub scene. Like, if you were an American with money, but Batista's Cuba was a great place to be. If you were, I don't know, Cuban, uh, then Batista's Cuba, not so great. Not so great. That's why we have revolutionaries and, and... Uh, And so he's like, I need your help. I need you to testify that you were with me on a father-daughter trip celebrating your confirmation. 
and going to all the best uh, cigar stores on the island. Yes, that's what we were doing <laughs> for your trip. You love smoking one. Also, can you c- please confirm that our none of our cigar vendors were Che Guevara himself? Yes. Please. Please, please and thank you. She's like, mm, I'm going to need to think about this. <laughs> now, again, there is an Omiha connection here because in 1953, Lucille Ball was accused of being a communist. Although Lucy, as you will recall, is not Desi Arnaz, who is uh, Hiram Lodge's mirror in, in uh, reality. Yeah. They they gender swapped the, the red baiting. Yeah. Again, wasn't Veronica all up in the gossip pages during uh, uh, Hiram's Cuban vacation? I don't think this alibi is going to hold up. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. So he is heading off to New York tomorrow mm-hmm. to talk with a lawyer. Sure. That's who he's going to talk to. Yeah. A lawyer, wink, wink. Uh, so uh, the next day when Veronica's heading into school... Mm-hmm. She notices the FBI agent in a car, and she's like, hey, shouldn't you be in New York uh, following my father? And he's like, mm, I'm following you. Uh, and she's like, he's not a communist. And he's like, uh-uh. Oh, yeah? Get in the car. I got proof. So he produces some pictures of uh, Hiram Lodge, unnamed blonde woman, and some other men, including, including Vidal Mastro. <laughs> At Pops. They did have to drive to Pops and get a cup of coffee for this. Uh-huh. Uh, Vidal Mastro. Yes. Like Vidal Sassoon. Yes. But named like he's fucking Cobra Commander. <laughs> Mastro. And this FBI agent accuses him of not just being a, a communist a dissident and revolutionary, a very, like, normal stuff that the FBI of the 1950s and of today, would certainly frown upon. They believe he's out to conquer the world. Yeah. I mean, it's Hiram. It makes (laughs) sense, honestly. (laughs) Fidel Mastro has a plan to overthrow all the world's governments and seize power. And Hiram's going to help. And step one is just like digging sewers and teaching kids to read in villages that shelter him from American troops. Yeah. Meanwhile, Archie uh, goes to visit Miss Thornton, and she's mm-hmm. like, Archie, how in the world did you ever find me? And he's like, your name's in the phone book. <laughs> it's the 50s. We have those. It's not hard. <laughs> uh, which, honestly, like, thinking about phone books, it's like the creepiest fucking thing ever. <laughs> if someone tried to make a phone book today, if someone went around delivering a book to everyone's doorstep with everyone's name and phone number, like, they would be shot. I would go live in a rock. Because <laughs> that sounds awful. Like, a rock or Iraq? A hard rock. Okay. Like a in a hard rock cafe. Yes, I, would have, I would live in a hard rock cafe. I'd be in the, the rafters just looking down at Eric Clapton's guitar. Yes, I'd be like the phantom of the hard rock cafe. <laughs> Not a Hard Rock Hotel, just a restaurant. <laughs> just a restaurant. They have good chicken. I go around and I snatch people's mozzarella sticks or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And instead of like phantom voice, you get like a guitar riff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're like, oh, it's the phantom of the Hard Rock Cafe. Please keep my usual seats at table five open. I really like the view there of NSYNC's <laughs> costumes. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. 
So she's packing up her things to to skip town because she has a job lined up in Greendale. Except she admits is a volunteer job. That means you don't have a job. That means you don't have a job. job. She's volunteering at the library. But Greendale is apparently much more open. Do they have free rent in Greendale? Because you don't have a job. She doesn't have a job here either, but okay, still. It would have been funny if she was like, I'm going to Duck Creek. I'm going to make it population three. Say you have a cousin or something, not a job. It's not a job. Uh, And Archie's just like, oh, man, gee whiz. I wish I could understand what's happening in the world. (laughs) And Mrs. Thornton, a teacher to the end, is like, I got something for this. Another subversive book. And she hands over a, a copy, a bent, a red copy. I appreciate this. I was really wishing it would have been like the Communist Manifesto or some shit. Just like, here you go, Archie. It is not. It is The Crucible by Arthur Miller. You know, like the title of the episode. Who knew? And he's like, wow, perfect timing. I need to present a monologue. <laughs> so, thanks. Thanks. And I think this is funny because this is the class... That Penelope subbing for, which is yes. Miss Thornton's class. Yes. So she should know Archie needs to present a monologue because it's only been like two days. <laughs> this was already planned. Well, yeah, so she gives him a play. Archie has not figured out that that's what's happening. No. No. But she gives him a nice pep talk about using his words mm-hmm. for to make the world better. And, and offers him a snack because she's a nice lady. Obviously. I'm yes. sure he accepts a glass of milk. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he's a boy that drinks milk. And then she puts the milk in her suitcase and zips it up. <laughs> she's leaving. She's skipping town. Uh, so over at Pops, uh, Jughead and Ethel are black market selling comic books. And it's done with this, like, uh, uh, circling camera speed ramp up and down. This is... <laughs> this is the sucker punch of, of comic book sales scenes. Yes. <laughs> so Jughead's sitting in one booth, and the customer comes and sits across from him. And then he taps, like, the quarter on the table, and Ethel, like, passes him a comic from behind, because she's in the booth behind him, and it's all very sneaky. And, again, this is uh, a, a part of comic books, comic book history. It's a couple decades ahead of its time, but in order to get around uh, restrictions on newsstand sales, which were the absolute number one way to, to move comics in this time... Uh, the direct market was invented. Yes. This is where comic book stores come from. People would just buy directly from uh, uh, the publisher or then the distributor. Like, say, Diamond, for example, existed because of this model to, to, facil- to facilitate it. And then they would sell them directly. But instead of a storefront, they have a restaurant booth in this case. Yes. <laughs> Um, so Cheryl is, uh, at the dark room with the rest of the gays. Mm-hmm. They need a club name. Uh, they're the council of gays. They're, the, they're the council of, of the gays. Council yes. of the gays. Okay. Um, and she is panicking about losing the vixens. Like, absolutely panicking. Yeah, so she's, she's... on a downward spiral. She's so torn about this choice between her, and she says out loud, what is the greater good? She says this, she asks the people who she would be selling out. Yes. I think they have an idea which is the greater good, Cheryl. Yes. We're, we're all pulling for you. We all feel for you. But you said a very stupid thing. Yes. This whole thing is very stupid. Um, but Tony's like, hey, Cheryl, we have a plan mm-hmm. um, that will make this okay. 
you're going to pretend to date Kevin and I'm going to pretend to date Clay till graduation and we can still pretend to be who we are in private, but this will be great. Everyone will think we're straight. So yeah, it's just a partner swap into mutual beardery. Yes. Yeah, that's the plan. Yes. Bing, bang, boom. And Cheryl finally has a moment of like, you know, actually realizing what's going on and is like, <laughs> but wait, this will make be like a betrayal of who you are. And I know that's like the farthest thing you want to do. And Tony's like, yeah, but like, I will do it to protect us all. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I will live with this. You're right. It sucks. Cheryl, this is bad. This is a bad thing. We don't like it. We don't like it. This is why it's okay if you lose the vixens. Like, this is really bad. We have to do this. So Archie's at home reading the crucible. Mm -hmm. uh, Veronica is at home having a drink. There is a really good cross pan cut, right? Yes, like, it's really good. There's a, a post or something in uh, uh, Archie's house that lines up with the wall Veronica's leaning on, and it's just like a sideways wipe from one scene to the other. Yeah, it's really good. Good job, Madchen. Um, so Hiram comes home, and he's like, what are you doing up? She's like, I'm waiting for you, you motherfucker. <laughs> Hiram has failed to bribe his way into safety. And she's like... Okay, so here's the deal. I'm not gonna lie, because you were buying cig cigars, you went to the Tropicana, uh -huh. and you were meeting with Vidal Sassoon. Vidal <laughs> <laughs> Mastro. There we go. Uh, and you were with a blonde honey. Was her name Honey? <laughs> it would be very funny if her name was Honey. Her name was not Honey, her name was Kelly. So, so Hiram here is really caught between a rock and a hard place. The rock of the McCarthy blacklist. Yes. And the hard place of, if I get caught having an extramarital affair uh, in a foreign country, that would trigger the morality clause in my contract, and Omiha is done. And I'm not, like, concerned about my wife at all in any of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, except I am, because he tries to say, like, well, you have to, like, agree to help me, otherwise we'll lose everything. Your mom and I will lose everything. And Veronica's like, I already lost everything! You kicked me the fuck out! <laughs> and then you locked me out! We haven't seen each other. Like, what? I've lost everything. This, again, this is the Veronica that I would love to have had in the wishy-washy years. Yes. This is good. Yes. It should have been this one time. Uh, so the next day at school. Mm -hmm. uh, the March of the Beards. Yes. Uh, everyone is in their, their newly assigned relationship, walking down the hallway Midge is confused. Uh, everyone's watching. Evelyn is like, what the fuck? I like Evelyn's outfit here, too. Yeah. She dresses good. Yeah. So it is now time for Archie to do his monologue. Which starts with an oral report. Apparently, like, though, describes. what we learn, what we learn uh -huh. is that all of their monologues have to start with an oral report. And also, they don't know what a monologue is because he has a scene partner. It's a dialogue. It's a dialogue scene that he, he chose. Uh, but, like, most of these people introduce with a bit of context about, you know, what the play's about and what leads into this moment. Archie's is longer than his scene. This it's is true. just goes. does so much. <laughs> also, he does something to his voice. 
Yeah? He is. It's not how he normally talks. No. 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 He puts on his actor voice. He's acting. He is yes. Act- He's going for the, the Oscar reel he, when they call up his name for the nominations. He gives it 110%. And it is the the big climactic John Proctor scene. He's, yes. he's doing John Proctor from The Crucible about like how he refuses to sign, what am I without a name? You already have my soul. That scene. Yeah. And Betty is giving him nothing. <laughs> She's just reading the opposite side. She's never seen this play before in her life. Tell them, tell them, tell them I confess myself. Say Proctor broke to his knees and wept like a woman. Why? Explain to me, Mr. Proctor, why you will not. Because it is my name! Okay. okay. (laughs) It's just striving and straining and Betty's just nothing. It's It's so good. It's like sometimes the shit you get when you're like watching behind the scenes stuff and there's like someone off reading the lines and it is the most like, this person's just like acting the shit out and they're like, save me. The script continuity person to the left of the camera holding (laughs) three lattes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, I'm going to die. Papa, this fever will take me like mama. What are we to do? Uh, Papa, this fever will take me like mama. What are we to do? I got your latte here, but hold on a second. Oh no, I see the light. And then she sees the light. Um, So as as this monologue continues, we hear it as the voiceover as Cheryl walks down the hall. Cheryl is constantly inspired by people's words. Yes. And so she goes to the principal's office where her father's waiting, Dr. Werther's. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're like, hey, sign this. And she's like, no, fuckers. <laughs> I'm not signing that. She refuses to cooperate and in turn resigns from the vixens before they can fire her. That's how it works. Yes. And she's like, and I have to go. I have a date with my boyfriend and we're going on a double date with my friend and her boyfriend. Because everyone is doing cross-gender kissing here. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Yes, we might even go to Lover's Lane. So meh. Heterosexually. So then outside, she's meeting with the Council of the Gays. Yes. And uh, they're very like, you know, this is what needed to be done. And talking about how messed up things are. And Tony's like... And hopefully Evelyn ever never falls off the top of the pyramid and breaks her neck. Yay! That's all we can wish for. Meanwhile, back in the hallways of the school, uh, Veronica finds Archie, and it turns out that all his shouting gets her hot. Yeah. 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 She wants to do kissing on him because he's such a good actor. Because he's inspired her. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. So they smooch some. Uh, And then over at Pops. Yes. Uh, 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 adventure Scout An comes Adventure in. Scout comes in, and he would like to also buy Pit of the Perverse number 32. Yes. Um, and Jughead, we learn, is, is you know, obviously jacking up the price. He's selling for a markup. That yeah. 10 cent comic is going to run you a quarter, kid. Yeah. Um, and right after the transaction happens, the scout leader comes in, blowing <laughs> the whistle. <laughs> and, and leading the sheriff, the, the Adventure Scout troop ran a sting operation? Yes, obviously. <laughs> and and it seems that this is just sort of like a let you off with a warning sting yeah, operation? Yeah, like we're going to confiscate them, but you're like fine. And like Jughead and Ethel just are like back at his train car enjoying milkshakes. They have celebration shakes to go because like they were operating pure profit. 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why they have more milkshakes, though, because, like, they were just constantly drinking milkshakes <laughs> It's there. because they like them so much, obviously. How is everyone so okay with dairy? They're lactose highly tolerant. <laughs> it's the only thing that they're tolerant of in this town. <laughs> this is true. It's because it's white. <laughs> moment and and i'm so proud of myself veronica walks out because she has integrity now and like i i'm starting to wonder did veronica take the lesson that integrity demands she cooperate with the mccarthy hearings and not sign her name on something she knows to be false um this is my fear in the moment we know that's not what happens yeah i mean she just wants to fuck over her dad in this moment though (laughs) like uh, so, um, over at school... It is the next day. Uh, Archie's at his locker. Uh-huh. And a new teacher comes up and is like, Hey, are you Archie Andrews? And it is Grundy. She she introduces herself. She says, I'm Geraldine Grundy. It is the Miss Grundy uh, actor from yes. season one. Yes. And her brief scene of being murdered in season two. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I say, no, you're fucking not. I know what happened in the first season. You're not Geraldine Grundy, you liar. And here's my theory. She is the young version of the old lady whose identity that the season one Geraldine Grundy stole. Which makes perfect sense. Yes. Because this is how they do time travel in things like The Breakfast Club. You use the same cast to be their their, uh, counterparts in the earlier generation. Yeah. I think you're onto something here. I think here. I'm totally onto it. This is it. the real Miss Grundy. It's the real Miss Grundy. Who will, uh, uh, in 60 years' time, be replaced by the fake Miss Grundy, played by the same actor. Yes. Yes. Anyhow, um, she... So, I'm, like, immediately like, holy fuck, though. What are we doing? Oh, you mean when she offers to give Archie private lessons? Uh-huh, Because that went so great you, last time. Do you want to hear my special private poetry? It's quite long. It only took him ten years to realize he was abused. Maybe on the second go-round, he'll do it a little faster. But we are told that her husband... She's married. She's married. He lives here in town. And he's a published poet. So she, like, is like, hey, do you want to meet him? Do you want to read some of his poems? And I'm like, okay, maybe we're okay. Archie is very excited to learn that there are professional poets who live somewhere other than New York City. You know, a stone's throw down the road. You can just hop, skip, and over and just meet them. Mr. Grundy is even closer than that. He doesn't need to get a, a nickel for the streetcar. So, so yeah, they they agree to, like, secret tutoring because Archie doesn't want anyone to know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, it's a great idea for me as a teacher. And <laughs> uh, read my husband's poems. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, Sheriff Keller, Principal, Dr. Werther's, uh, they are staring at a giant pile of all the comics that were confiscated from Jughead and Ethel. And Dr. Werther is, is truly laughable in this scene when he's like, well, our half measures haven't uh, ended the scourge of comic books in this town. I think it's time to advance too. And he leaves a dramatic pause before saying, full measures. <laughs> Eat a dick. Fuck you. I'm going to have a full glass of milk tonight. <laughs> 
It is time to rise up to take down the children. You really thought you had something with this half measures, full measures bullshit. You don't have nothing. You didn't even have your car. Get out of here. I hate you. So now it's time for Veronica's monologue. Yes. And she is performing King Lear. She's doing Cordelia's thing from Lear. Uh, and she also has to give an explanation of what's going on. Lear is not typically taught in high school English classes. Uh, the, the two most common uh, Shakespeare plays to be taught in high school, uh, and this includes personal experience, I, I, uh, I had units on both of these plays over mm-hmm. my high school career, are Romeo and Juliet, because uh-huh. it's about teens having big teen feelings, uh-huh. and Julius Caesar, because it's the only one with zero sex in it. Oh, it's unfortunate. <laughs> Those are the only ones. Not the only ones, but the most popular by far. Yeah. They're, the way that like Shakespeare is taught in high schools is why the majority of the population doesn't like Shakespeare I'm and doesn't not... want to watch Shakespeare or read Shakespeare is because it's done all wrong. I don't remember if any of my high school classes did The Tempest. We might have done like an act or two of The Tempest, Tempest as part great. of a bigger unit on other things. I know one of my English classes went to... A U of M Flint performance of Henry V. Okay. Which is part of why I really love that play. It just like, you know, formative time, mm-hmm. live theater hit me just just when it was supposed to. But yeah, yeah. Romeo and Juliet and Julius Caesar are the big ones. Interesting. It, yeah. Really, I feel like Midsummer's Night Dream should be a big one. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. like, you still got young love. You got comedy, you got fairies, like, teenagers love that shit. Teenagers love fairies. Like, come on. They would all eat it up. <laughs> what did you think of Veronica's performance of uh, Cordelia's monologue? She was being sad. <laughs> <laughs> very very pause-heavy. Yes. Really just, like, letting phrases hang yeah. for a long time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She was taking her time. She didn't feel rushed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She turned it into a four-hour play. <laughs> If you were to do King Lear at this pace, that's 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 your whole day, is what that it's your is. Whole day, whole ding ding day. I was actually watching some some videos of um, oh, what's his name? He's in Sherlock. Oh, um, I was gonna Andrew say Scott. Kenneth Branagh. No, <laughs> Andrew Andrew Scott is the Sherlock yeah, guy, the Moriarty yeah, guy. Yeah, love him. Yeah, love him. So he did Hamlet. Okay. And there was a whole bunch of videos of him that sure. popping up in my feed. All the, the Tumblr expats still love him, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he tripled the length of Hamlet. <laughs> Dude, who I love, nothing against him. And they were like captivating to watch, honestly. Yeah. Like he was he was doing it great. But I did realize I'm like, there is so much fucking pausing that this is definitely three times the length it could be. I would love to see speedrun Hamlet. Speed. Words, words, words. Isn't that what <laughs> you Hamlet, sure are a the rock opera is? Ah, Hamlet de rock opera. That is kind of speedrun Hamlet. Well, yeah, but it's deeply abridged. <laughs> would that be an interesting thing, though? Like, like speedrun Shakespeare. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just go. Just have the micro-machines guy read through the script. <laughs> Just have the latte girl. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. lattes that just no emotion. Like, let's just go. Mm-hmm. To be or to not to be. That is the question. Now's the winner of our discontent. <laughs> <laughs> well, her, you know, monologue continues. We we go to Veronica going to Hiram. Yes. She inspires herself, yes. I guess. Yeah. 
and she's like, hey, here's this signed affidavit, right? Affidavit. Affidavit. <laughs> no. <laughs> you sound like a drunk person trying to say affidavit. Affidavit. Af- after David came. After David. I had a nice talk with David, but he had to go home. I signed him. I don't know why. I, so I should have taken she, a nap. <laughs> so she pledges to her father that she will exchange this signed affidavit that, that backs up his, his daddy-daughter alibi uh, uh, on two conditions. One... He tells uh, uh, her mother about his infidelity with Kelly, mm-hmm. and two signs over uh, uh, ownership of the Pembroke to her. Yes, a, a confirmed sixteen-year-old, old Riverdale is bleeding back in. Yes, yes, she's like, I will have a place to live. Damn it! Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she's entirely within her rights. She might not be within her legal rights as a landowner. Uh, so Betty goes to the post office to, uh, pick up mail from her P.O. box. And, and she sees that it's, it's empty. There's, like, crickets and cobwebs in there. And she's like, aw. But the, the postal worker is like, oh, we gotta go in the vault for this giant s- canvas sack of mail. It's, it's like what they give, like, to prove Santa's real. It's what they give bank robbers in, in old-timey cartoons. And the, the post office lady's like, man, someone's popular. <laughs> And they are all addressed to the girl next door. And Betty has so many pen pals. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so um, Veronica has another house guest. Um, Mama! As soon as Hiram left, uh, Hermione came to visit. Mm-hmm. They're both in this one. Only one of these guest stars was advertised and, and built up as, like, the reason to tune in this week. Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. I like Hermione. Yeah. Hermione's been here from the beginning. You gotta yeah. respect Hermione Lodge. Yeah. Marketing team. Maybe they wanted her to be a secret? Maybe. Because I was maybe. a little like, what's another one doing here so quickly? <laughs> um, but she's like, hey, so like as soon as I get back to LA, we're having a press conference mm-hmm. and we're gonna tell everyone that uh the next season of the show is the last one. The big farewell seventh season of Oh Me Ha. <laughs> huh? Uh? Are they going to do a weird time travel thing? Uh? And uh, what we're not going to tell everyone is that we're getting a divorce. Oh. Oh. And Veronica's so worried. Like, Ma, what are you going to do? She's like, I don't know. Regarding either career or uh, uh, being single. I don't know. But she does express that she is excited for whatever the future holds. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And she's like, hey, how about we have Christmas here? I'm sorry. Christmas is in season eight. We are going so fast. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to get there. We're not going to make it to Christmas. The speed, like we got two more months and we're like halfway through the season. (laughs) I don't know if we're going to get there. The next day at school, Jughead is walking through. And there's a whole bunch of people in line with arms full of comics. And he's like, hey. What gives? Asking Dilton. Dilton's like, oh, Principal Featherhead is paying to buy comics off of all of us. He's, he's doing a buyback program. And Jughead is like, why? why? Why would you trust him with your books? Like, what the fuck? And all Dilton can do is shrug and say, well, I already read these, so I might as well get some money out of it. And then we find out later that night what he was doing is he was buying them all so they could have Riverdale's 
book burning night. It's a public book burning in the town square. Yay! And everyone is there. Everyone. The characters we like are there and like giving very disapproving faces, and, but and like shocked. But you, like you I, came though. Yeah, you're like what? watching it. I'm only here so people can know I'm against this whole thing. Are they there just because, like, it's dark when they get out of school and it happens, like, right after school? <laughs> okay, it is November. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense, maybe? sure. because, <laughs> I mean, it, like, literally is off the steps of the school. Yeah. Like, it seems a little close. Like, maybe... You guys don't have a fire department, remember? <laughs> it's a little concerning. So that, that is our, our big final image. Jarlan, what did you think of chapter 130, The Crucible? It was more fun to talk about than watch keeps happening this year this one especially though i just really wasn't into it this episode what i think could have really helped this episode is like the lines upon which people question like this red scare mccarthyism are just wrong to me yeah like especially when we like the characters like speak up about so many other injustices right and we're just like yeah it is wrong for these people to investigate our lives and, and to, like, force consequences on us. Sure. Yeah, it is. And, like, in Cheryl's case, in Cheryl and the Council of Gays, they take the further step, like, there's nothing wrong with us. This is just harassment. In the, the question of uh, uh, Mrs. Thornton, no one says... What's wrong with having these opinions? What even are her real opinions? It's just like, oh no, she was not, don't don't chase away the the nice lady. Yeah. Is she a communist? What's wrong with being a communist? No one asks these questions. They lost me like in this episode immediately when we had to explain. Yes. Communism and McCarthy. <laughs> well, and no just, one explains communism. Well, no. No one well, knows a thing about it. No, but like, what's going on? Like, yeah, oh, yeah. this thing. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, fuck. It's one of those episodes where we're just going to, like, it's history, but we're not actually going to handle the history. Yeah, yeah. And we're not going to handle it in a way that the characters, like, would actually handle it. This is like a kids' bop song of McCarthyism. It's it's weird. It's really weird. It's it feels very much like history lessons that you don't actually want your child to know anything about it. Because, yeah, yeah. Like you you get the buzzwords, you get the the top level explanation, but at no point does anyone say why. Yeah. Why is this Mr. McCarthy against it? What is it? And again, it's especially- are these accusations accurate? We do touch on that a little bit in the lounge. When the characters have spoken out about so many other things so much, and this is just this passiveness, mm -hmm. you think there would be some type of rally to try to, like, save Miss Thornton or something, and then yeah, it becomes the yeah. kids against the parents or something, but, like, it doesn't happen. Or even, like, some conversation where, you know what could have been great? An argument with Archie between Mary and Frank... Mm -hmm, where Frank's, mm -hmm. like, supportive of it, and Mary's like, no, like, what the hell? Or, hey, Veronica, you've, you've known all these people who've had their names named. What happened to them? What are they doing for work now? What's yeah. life like for them? Nope. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Not my favorite. Not, not what I was really into. No. 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 And it's, it sucks when I said, like, earlier, when you're like, you know, Manchin and Amick directed it, and, like, not great. 
she directed the shit out of it yeah, when it came yeah. to like this shots and like just Archie getting a freaking pop out of a soda machine was like yes freaking beautiful that oh gosh the the fizz but I want I want a pop machine that works like that or that panning shot between Archie and Veronica great yeah no this but, this was a point of view of the story not ooh. a not a camera problem at yeah. all yeah just yeah not fell short I'm not sure the story had a point of view. <laughs> I liked all the monologues. I like a monologue that tells you about the character delivering it. And in this case, the character playing a character delivering it. I would have liked more snippets of monologues of other characters, specifically like side characters. Does Jughead even go to school? Like, (laughs) just snippets, like two lines each, like a montage of it. Like you get from like a teen movie where they're auditioning for shit or whatever. Yes, yes. I would have lived to find out what is everyone doing as their monologue and who is the fucking worst at it. the, The sort of... The since you've been gone audition scene from Pitch yes, Perfect. That's exactly but, what I'm thinking. Yes. But monologues in this. It would have been so good. <laughs> so so yeah, I want uh two things I want from this episode. I want a full throated defense of the Cuban Revolution, and I want it to be more like Pitch Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, Kevin should start uh Acapella Quartet. Yes. <laughs> That's how we can explain why the Council of Gays is always hanging yeah. out in the music room. They're an acapella group. They're an acapella group. They do some doo-wop. <laughs> We're great. We've invented uh, the direct distribution uh, model of comics and pentatonics. Yes. <laughs> because there must be balance in all things. Yes. So, you got any predictions? Don't think so i have no predictions i don't care at the moment (laughs) (laughs) like honestly that's how the episode left me is like okay also it's hard because the next episode's a musical so like what the the story's not gonna go anywhere probably no let's talk about uh what we know about next week chapter 131 archie the musical (laughs) here's what we know it's a musical musical about about Archie. archie written by kevin uh, Kevin is writing a musical not just about Archie, but like what it means to be Archie Andrews. Who, who is Archie? What's it mean? And uh, it involves at least two big group choreography numbers. One in a, a classroom, <laughs> one on the schoolyard steps. They, they keep cutting to those two scenes. And that's what we know. That's what we know. That's what we know. <laughs> so that's when I say like, man, it's hard to have predictions. That doesn't help. Uh, so far in my research... In my research, I still have not found who the fucking songwriter is for these original songs. What if it is Casey Cott? What if it's Casey Cott? Uh, Someone pointed out to me, hey, uh, last time a Berlandi show did an original musical referring to the uh, Flash musical episode, Mm. they had Rachel Bloom do the songs. And I'm like, hmm. I find that unlikely because, one, they would be advertising on her name. Yeah. I think Rachel Bloom, uh, post-Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, has that pull. But if I'm wrong about that, and she did, it would be interesting, because uh, before Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, the first thing I heard of her doing was getting a Hugo nomination for the video of her comedy song, Fuck Me, Ray Bradbury. (laughs) It all comes full circle. All comes full circle. Oh my god. Uh, she lost to a Doctor Who episode. Yeah. 
I think it was uh, miscategorized. I would have put that under related work rather than dramatic presentation short form myself. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, on a side note, talking about Casey Cotton musicals, uh, mm-hmm. he is going to be um, uh, starting August 1st playing the role of Christian on the Broadway production of Moulin Rouge. I'm glad that Casey Cotton has finally heard the good news and decided to become a Christian. I don't know why he's waiting until August. You can just do that right now. <laughs> I probably should have read that article a little closer. Maybe, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, very happy. He already has work lined up after Riverdale. Good job. Glad, uh, I guess our theory of, like, he can really sing is true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He can sing every pop song from the last 15 years. All of them. All of them. All of them. My God. At least it's pretty, I guess. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's kind of what we said about this episode. So... <laughs> I guess I should say Archie the Musical is already the title of a planned Broadway musical that was announced in 2017, uh, uh, 2019, Mm. somewhere around there, that was going to be written by Adam McKay, uh, the comedy filmmaker, and uh, produced in, like, uh, a collaboration with funnyordie.com. Oh, God. It got a big announcement in August of whatever year it was. And then no one ever heard anything from it again. Just like that initial press release, and then it immediately died. Well, some things happened not that long after. <laughs> uh, before the original musical about what it's like to be Archie Andrews comes out, just think back to the origin story of one uh, uh, Roberto, mm-hmm. who wrote a, a play in college, an unlicensed Archie play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now here, here we are. Here we are. An original Archie musical coming, your, coming at you. Your fan fictions can come to life. <laughs> yeah, that's what River Vale is all about. <laughs> we already knew that. It's living the dream. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm more curious than excited. The, the big question I have is who's making the music. I just hope it's like actually like embraces just being a, a musical the most like, straight up musical be the most musical you can be not that shit we got last time well no last time was the worst time before last the best like next to normal was not so long ago that we can lose all hope the time before that pretty shitty <laughs> the time, the, oh yeah the worst episode yeah. of all time yeah. of, of all of River incredibly yeah. shitty yeah. they did me so wrong and dirty with that the first 15 minutes, so much promise. And that's what makes it hurt the worst. That hurt so bad. Like, I have a fucking tattoo of that musical, and you did yes. it so wrong. But I, I guess I'm curious about these big numbers. Like, are are we seeing all these students, like, breaking out into song collectively? Or are we seeing rehearsals for the play Kevin is making? Mm-hmm. That's a question I have for the trailer. Yeah. Which, if they go back to, like, you know, the first couple ones, they, yeah. they did both. Mm-hmm. They That's had true. a good That's mixture true. of the two. Kind I, of a good overlap happened. I do still remember that moment where Betty starts relating to Veronica, I think, and singing a song from Carrie the Musical. Mm-hmm. But doing it in that unclear diegesis and not glee style i think i described it at the time yeah. of just like hitting play on a boombox and sitting singing along to it yeah 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 
We'll see. We'll see how it goes. We will see. Yeah. And we will see shortly because we are all caught up. We're caught up. Woo! We are caught up just in time for that to not be true anymore. Sorry. <laughs> because someone has a very important work trip that she's been uh, uh, spending a year and a half uh, working toward. I'm, uh, Three yeah. years, if you want to be technical. Yeah, it's been a couple of years. So that is... We're, we're coming. It's finally happening. More more on that next time, but uh, uh, our episode on chapter 131 will be right on time, and our chapter on 132 will not, for that reason. <laughs> no. Sorry. So, in the meantime, uh, what can people do? Uh, you can use one of your very precious rate-limited tweets to follow us on Twitter <laughs> at sex underscore Archie. And if we have any tweets left, we uh, we might tweet, or you might see us tweet. I Who mean, knows? We can send them out. You just may not be able to see them. If it you, was wild. If you tweet at us, maybe we can see them? Putting that last uh, episode up the day before that happened? Yeah. What a what a world! What a world! You know what? You tell us where you're going, cause like I got I set up a personal uh, uh, blue sky today. I don't like it very much yet, but if that's where everybody's going, that's where everybody's going. I don't know. I really do like co-host, cause it's like a new thing. It's a different vibe. I say new thing. It's very much like Tumblr structurally, but you know what? I'm I'm in, having fun on it. I'll go somewhere once I figure out where everyone's going. That's what everybody says. <laughs> committing until thing, i know the thing that sucks about blue sky again i've been there for just a couple hours at the time i'm saying this but the thing that sucks about it is because it has all this energy of like people who just like finished eighth grade and they're going to high school now and oh. it's like a whole uh uh oh. let me finish the metaphor before you take the wrong thing from okay. it but it's it's like Everyone has this plan that they're going to reinvent themselves in this new place, in this new context, and you're going to do it right this time. But it's the exact same thing with the exact same people. No, you're not. It's it's all the same. It just actually works for now. Yeah, I'll do it. You can already see the disillusionment on, on the horizon, and that's not fun. Can MySpace just come back? Maybe. It's not too late. <laughs> I'll go back to having live journals that we follow. Mm -hmm. That I mean, live journals still exist. Like everybody, you can you can uh, get in touch with sex underscore Archie on Zanga. <laughs> Zanga, yes. Probably not the best place to have sex, Archie. Be your name. <laughs> Zanga's probably not a great place to have sex. <laughs> oh no, the server's getting too hot. Ah. <laughs> Uh, so while we're figuring that all out, uh, maybe just do the good old-fashioned thing of, like, tell your friends. Just talk to people. Just talk to people. Wherever you you're at, talk to people. You can just text them. It's text fine. You don't actually have to talk to them. You can send a link on a text. There you go. You can do the you thing can on do the that. thing. that. It's totally fine. And you fine. can talk to the whole wide world by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Someone did, uh, I just checked to see, and I saw a, a recent oh. uh, a review that really made my heart go all like, Aw, they're Aww. listening and, Aww. like, really getting stuff. Aww. And that person will not hear this for a long time because they're a new listener as of a few months ago. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, got, person. They got a lot to get through. Here's but your I, Easter egg. I did appreciate it quite a bit. Yeah, that's going to take a while. 
guess that's it. That's it. Uh, so, so with that from us and uh, all of our neighbors that you've been hearing through this episode, I'm sure. Kapow! Kapow die. I, I did mention Shay. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber maintains to this day that the character of Che from Evita is not Che Guevara. Yeah, huh? Though he is an Argentinian named Che who is interested in a uh, social revolution. Yeah, huh? And he's the best, like, fuck apart of the <laughs> musical. I'm Lena. I'm Grant. Vidal Mastro. <laughs> Why is he having a super villain? Oh, <laughs>